This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of After Impact. I am your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I am joined with the amazing Agent Smith, Mr. Bilyeu. What is up, dude? You know, just uh, reeling from the amazing episode of James Lawrence on Impact Theory. This was a good one, the Iron yeah. Cowboy. Yes, it is called How to Master Mental Toughness. I think that's a very accurate title very. for someone who is a master at mental toughness. No question. Um, excited to get into this one. Dude, me too. I, I really, really like this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, needless to say, there's so many echoes of David Goggins in yep, this with yep. how to build that mental toughness and the extraordinary things that you can do with it. Um, so yeah, I, I really, really like this one. We were talking off camera yesterday about his his feat of the 50 Ironman triathlons in 50 days in yeah. 50 states. And I was saying that I still can't quite wrap my head around it. Yeah. That it's, I still want to say it's impossible, even though someone has proven <laughs> that otherwise. You know what I mean? They've already done it. But it literally is that crazy. Like yeah. when I think about, it's the 50 consecutive days. Yeah. Right? Like back to back to back to back. You said it best. In fact, say what you said then. Well, and the, part of the reason I said it, because I've done two sprint triathlons, which I'm even embarrassed to bring up in this conversation. <laughs> in any other conversation, <laughs> you were like the badass yeah, in the in room. Yeah, in any other conversation, I'm like, yeah, I've done a couple sprint triathlons, but not here. Um, which, and I, so I, I, I've had like the slightest taste of how hard it is. Mm. Um, but I, my comment was, to do one Ironman triathlon in your lifetime is impressive. <laughs> Like is For sure. very impressive. For sure. This guy's done, not only has he done 50, I mean, he's how many has he done in his lifetime? He's probably done oh. like almost 100. Well, it, those are just the ones that he did on record. Right. Because he set another record for, um, what was it, 30, was it 30 in 30 consecutive days or just 30 yeah. in, uh, in a year? In a year. Yeah. I think that's what it was, yeah. Which that alone Already is bonkers. So... It really helps you think differently about what's humanly possible, his story, and I think that it gets driven home in the episode. So excited to dive in. Just as a reminder, everyone, this is After Impact, the show where Tom and I unpack the impact of imp- Wow, I almost said impact <laughs> James Lawrence this week. Um, we dive deep. We, we really try to understand and pull out the insights and also hear Tom's response and what he was thinking in the middle of the interview. Um, and also, you know, if you guys ever have questions, if you've watched the episode and have questions, you can feel free to send them to connect at impacttheory.com or leave them on the YouTube comments, which I often will browse before coming on this show nice. to see just what people are saying about the episode. Get, Love the, that. get a little pulse. Love that. With the crowd. So I want to start off with like, just what do you think drives him to do these types of things? Cause you were also saying that you talk to him a little bit about what his next challenge is, mm. which he's not publicly speaking about. Yeah, um, It's madness, yeah. by the way. I can't wait to hear what it is. But Literally, when he said it, I was like, so is the end of his quest like the one that actually kills me? <laughs> I was like, well, like at yeah. some point, it's, it's yeah, yeah. gnarly. So, so what, do you, what do you think is driving him? Man, that is a really good question. And it's one of the few times where I'm, I 
I think speaking on his behalf is probably dangerous. So I'm yeah. almost certainly going to be wrong. But I will say, and we talk about this in the episode, where he says, what kind of example would I set for my kids if I didn't see this through, right? So I think that he's trying to prove something to himself. I think he absolutely loves pushing the limits of what he thinks is possible. And he talked about it in the episode, he, or actually I talk about it in the intro, that's something that he had talked about in other interviews where he does his um, 22 sprint triathlons doesn't feel like he even scratches the surface of what he's capable of, does 30 triathlons, full triathlons in a year, doesn't feel that he's been challenged, doesn't feel like he's hit his um, the edge of what he's capable of, and so then decides that he's going to do the 50-50-50. And so clearly part of what's driving him is like, what am I capable of? Where yeah. are my limits? And because that so resonates with me mentally, like, how many skills can I acquire? How good at things can I really get? Mm -hmm. um, and that image of like not trying to end up pristine in the coffin, but rather sliding into your death, which I don't usually think about. But for some reason, when I think about really making the most out of my life, that notion of just like sliding into the coffin at the end of my life because I've been working so hard to get so good at things that have real relevance in my life and then put that to use in service of something big, like really thinking like, how big does this go? How far can I push myself? And obviously right now we're chewing collectively as a team on something that for most people probably just seems too big to be real, but it isn't the, the end of what I consider inspiring, right? So my notion is until you're terraforming, right? Which is where you actually try to build um, an atmosphere on a planet that doesn't currently have one that's hospitable to human beings like that to me that's big thinking mm -hmm. so in building a studio to rival disney like that's not that big to me but where i'm at right now it's very daunting sure so and and that goes to something that james said in the episode is finding your heart right like yeah. what's your heart so i think this is going to be incredibly difficult for us but it is certainly not the thing that I think is at the end of where I can push my capability. So mm. I think that's something that drives him. There's a real intoxication to seeing just how far you can push yourself. And he's found something that speaks to him, that physical difficulty. And knowing that when he can do it, it's something that so few people, I mean, he sets world records. So literally nobody else in the world has ever done um, that. I'm going to guess that between what he's doing with his family uh, proving something to himself and then just really trying to find the edge of his, his current limitations and blow past them. Mm -hmm. My guess is that that's pretty close. Yeah, that's super interesting. And one of the things he discusses in the episode is having that big dream, that big goal, but then breaking it down into the small things that you're going to do day in and day out. They're going to get you there, which I know really resonates with you. Big I thought time. it was amazing too. And I one of the things that I found really interesting was he said that in his training – you know, when he was starting to train, he wasn't ready to like go and make that jump toward the big goal. He wasn't going ready to take a run at it yet. And that, that's what people have to understand when they're training. And it's about, um, he says it's about balance to understand when you should go for it. So, um, I wanted to ask you like, how do you know when you're ready to take that leap? Well, what I love about his answer on this is he's being really highly tactical and he's talking about the connective tissue, the tendons, mm -hmm. the ligaments. And he said, you just, they don't grow as fast as the muscle. And so really understanding the physiology of what he's trying to do. And this is why as somebody who's all about mindset, entrepreneurialism, I'm obsessed with the brain because I feel like if you don't understand that, like if you don't understand the way that it works, and obviously we're about to launch health theory, and the reason that I'm doing health theory is that if you don't understand the way the microbiome works, and it's absolute massive impact on the brain, which thusly impacts your ability to have a mindset, to do the kinds of things that James has done, you're just never going to accomplish. So understanding the tools that you're working with, right? You experience the world through your brain. You experience the world through your body is probably a more truthful way of saying it. Mm. And once you understand um, what um, Dr. Um, Emerin Mayer was talking about today on the episode of Health Theory that we shot, and he said that it's what's called the brain connectome, which I'd never heard before, but it's really looking at the body and the mind as this highly interconnected system. Mm. So 
but teasing that apart. Like if you want to understand how to accomplish the way that he's accomplished, then you've really got to understand the tools that you're working with. And so I found his explanation extraordinary. It was one of the most interesting things in the episode for me is him talking about that, that look, I was excited by it, I wanted to go after it, but I was very realistic about the actual plan that has to be in place, the actual level of fitness, down to the micro-tuning of his joints and ligaments and all that stuff. And for him to have the level of clarity about that, so it's not this just what I call an empty dreamer, I'm gonna do 50, 50, 50, and then you start, and like mile 14 on the first one, you've got such devastating pain in your knees because your ligaments just aren't strong enough to handle that you have to stop. So that to me is the extraordinary sign of somebody who takes what they're doing very seriously and using business language. It's the difference between an entrepreneur and a wantrepreneur. Mm-hmm. It's somebody who really understands the, the strategic things that you have to do to be able to execute. And this is a great example of when somebody says only execution matters. So he could have made all the promises and really been sincere about setting out to do it, but not understood enough of the path to execution to pull it off. And I think that's where most people never start their business, but most businesses never make it to profitability. The number of businesses that fail before they reach the end of year one is just ridiculous already. The number of businesses that make it to 10 years is virtually zero. So it's like, it's all about really coming to understand that path to execution. Yeah, that's a really great insight. And you know, the interesting thing he said too was, so it's, it's both about the, the execution, the, the understanding his body and his physical tools, as well as the mind. And he says in the episode, you can only get so physically fit. Mm. And the other part of that was getting mentally tough and mentally fit and that he was spending more of his life doing. And he, he traced back to when he started as a wrestler. I wanted to get your thoughts on that too. Yeah. I mean, there really is a difference between your physical fitness and your mental fitness. And the physical fitness, while it does require you to push and all of that, you're not necessarily gonna have to tax your mind in a way, like you'll notice he doesn't credit all the running endurance that he did building up to that point. He credits the wrestling and how hard it was to cut weight, to lose over and over and over and to have to keep coming back. And so there is something about wrestling. It's a unique form of exhaustion because it's basically sprinting all out for like three minutes at a time, which is ungodly if you've ever tried. Like the most grotesque, run you can do in um, track and field. It's not the 100 yard dash. It's not even the, um, the mile, it's the 800 because it's a sprint. It is an all out sprint for right at the duration where basically humans are about to fall over and die. Yeah. Uh, it was the, the thing I hated the absolute most. I'd much rather do a mile where you can sort of sink into, um, something that's sustainable. Mm -hmm. So, Doing that wrestling and having that very unique um, sense of gassing out and because I think he had to deal with so much failure and then the the very counterintuitive thing for a human, which is to have food readily available and not eat it because you're trying to make weight um, or even to have to do a water depletion, like those things train your mind in a way. So it was really interesting to hear him talk about that because um, I know exactly what he's talking about, that eventually you just have to throw yourself into something brutally difficult in order to finally get your mind there. And his tale of being at the, he was in, um, during the 50-50-50, the 30th one that he did, he had this moment where he just broke down emotionally. He was like hour three or something of the bike ride and just pulls over to the side, throws his bike away and and curls into the fetal position on the ground and just starts crying. That's such an amazing story. He's like, I just cannot bear the thought of doing another 20 of these. And how am I ever going to make it out? And said he literally went through a rebirth and he had to take all of the things that he wanted to do, all the reasons for why he was doing this, and ball them up together so that collectively they could be enough for him to get up and really continue on with this. And I just thought, wow, man, like that, to, that's mental fortitude, right? And once he gets back up off the ground, if, right? Because in that moment, it's like it's really not clear whether he's going to be able to find enough intensity in that why to get up and keep going. So, but it's like once he does that and once he finds that thing to get up and keep going, it's like he really is at that point unbreakable on the other side of that. 
And I asked him about that in the interview and he, about the negative voice that tells him, you know, yeah. you're in pain, stop running. And he was like, that voice understands that it has no place with me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. And that's, that's somebody talking who went through that eight minute rebirth of I don't want to do this anymore. And how do I find it in myself to get back up? It's fucking incredible. It's a really amazing story. And, and going back to the reasons why, I have a couple of questions around that. But one of them is, you know, he's, he talks about in that moment that he had to like compile all those reasons. And he he says like, I put them in a ball and I held Mm. it close to me. But he said, I had spent time thinking, like meditating on all of those reasons for so long that I had them sort of readily available to me. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on like, you know, the meditation or the, the mental preparation of thinking about why you're doing something all the time. Jared, this is advanced class, man. And this is one of those things that I really want people to really hear the answer to this question. Because in obsessing over your whys, there's something about that repetition, that repetition, that repetition, thinking about it, why I'm doing it, all the nuance, which this was how I got into working out in the first place. I had to obsess about being able to protect my wife. It was the only motivation that I had was strong enough. Looking good wasn't enough. Being strong in and of itself wasn't enough. I just hated it so much. And so to show up and do that, I really had to think obsessively about doing it for my wife and being able to be there for my wife, my wife, my wife. And it starts to become more and more important simply by thinking about it. And so this is one of those things that I tell people, you cultivate your why, you cultivate your mission. I didn't wake up one day and say, this is now that important and I have to do it. Eureka. Right, yeah. exactly. There is no eureka moment. Yeah. It's, it is forcing yourself to obsess, obsess, obsess over something that has like sway over me. It had sway, but it was like, it wasn't enough just to like think about it once and oh, then for the next 15 years, I'm gonna show up at the gym. It was like, I had to think about it and think about it and think about it and think about it and obsess, obsess in the gym while I was working out, I'd stare at her and just really imagine the scenario. And so then it's like, it's getting bigger and more important. And so whatever your why is, you've gotta really turn it into an obsession. And the obsession comes from simply putting it back in the center of your thoughts, right? You're bringing it back into the center, to the center, to the center. Focus, focus, focus. Like, and the more you do that, the more it grows in importance, the easier it is to put it back in the center, the less you have to think about putting it in the center. It just occupies the center of your mind. And the ability to cultivate a passion, to cultivate an obsession, that is what separates the people that go on to do something extraordinary from the people that peter out. That's awesome. I do want to come back to this notion of obsession because one of our listeners asked a question regarding it, but I'm going to get to those in a second. I want to go back to the reasons. So he said that he has multiple reasons and he kind of like he's stacking them on, mm-hmm. one on top of the other. And he had to enumerate all of them to himself to really motivate himself to get back up, get back on the bike and do the other 20 triathlons. We hear a lot that it, like you got to have your why, right? Like your big why. Do you think it matters if you have a, a litany of things or if it's just one big thing? Do you think that matters? Um, I, I'm going to bet that if you teased out all of his whys, they all feed into one thing. Mm. And so I'll say, I don't know this, but I will say, if I had to guess, all those things come down to the man he wants to be. And what got him back up was the man he wants to be demands that he gets back up, right? The man he wants to be gets back on the bike. The man he wants to be finishes the 20 um, additional triathlons, right? That's the man he wants to be. And the, the only thing I can tell people, and I've said this time and time again, and I will say it a thousand more times, the only thing in life that matters is what you think about yourself when you're all alone. That's it. What do you think about yourself when you're all alone? And if you're like, fuck, like I've done some stuff, like I'm I've pushed myself and yes, I've got a lot more to go, no question. And and I'll tell you the thing that makes me proud of myself. And this is what I know to be true of myself when I'm all alone. I'm willing to stare at my inadequacies to learn and get better. I know that. I'll show up, I'll do the hard work, I'll own it when I fucked up, I will accept what I'm not good at, and I'll put in the work to get better. So I so believe that about myself. I've so earned that credibility over time again and again and again and again 
that it doesn't matter what anyone says about me. And that's like, that's where you can say like, I don't give a shit about what people think. It doesn't mean that you don't care. Like I care, I care a lot about what you think. I care a lot about what my wife thinks. But if you tried to tell me that I'm not somebody that I've proven to myself over and over and over that I am, then like that's where it's like, I don't believe that because I know who I am. Right. So that is such a potent driver for people that I can't imagine, and this is definitely me painting my belief system and my experience onto him, but I can't imagine anything that you would cling to. It will take different names and shapes and it'll be, I told my wife I was gonna do this and I want her to be proud of me and I want her to think that I'm a stud and I wanna set a good example for my kids. But all of those things have to do with the person he's trying to become. Mm -hmm. And to me, the, the deepest sense of fulfillment that you will ever get in life is believing in yourself of believing in the person that you're becoming, of really truly believing that on a long enough timeline, you will execute against that. Like you've just earned that credibility with yourself. There's nothing better. And in that moment, and this is what's so fascinating, in that moment, dude, if he stopped right there, he still sets the world record. He sets the fucking world record. It, no one had ever in history done 30 Ironmans in 30 consecutive days, never been done. So he's already won. He would have shot for the moon and landed in the stars, right. as they say. So here he is a guy that it, it's so important to him to follow through with what he said he was going to do. That, that's just about him. Mm. It, there's, there's nothing external. It's just, I said I was going to do this. The person I want to be holds true to what they say. I want to set a good, good example for my kids, which harkens back to the person that he wants to be, right? Sets a good example for his kids. And, and you just roll that all in, man. And it... it, it it is the only thing I can conceive of right now that would get somebody back up. Because the other thing that people use all the time, in fact, I just saw this on Reddit. There was a, a weightlifter, I think an Olympic weightlifter, I'm not entirely sure, who like right before his wife died in a car accident, he said he was gonna set some record. And then she dies in the car accident and he goes into a meet, I don't know how long after she died, and you just know when he steps up to the bar, like there's, I, I want to cry right now as I talk about this because this is how much it resonates with me. You just know there's no universe in which he doesn't pick up that fucking bar because he's thinking like, this is, this is for my wife to be the person I want to be to have delivered on this thing for this person that I care about. I am fucking picking up this bar and he picks it up and you see him do it. And when he lands it, he fucking freaks out. And it's just like, crying and and cheering and i mean it was just unbelievable and yeah. then he like holds a photo and the medal you know of his wife yeah. and i forget who was it that said a guest recently maybe titus i can't remember who said this oh i feel terrible but they said like the person to bet on brendan burchard was it brendan yeah i'm pretty sure okay that says like oh that's right because he was working with somebody yep and that person said like Bet on the person who says, I've got to do this for my mom. Yep. Because when they've got that thing, like to be who they want to be, like they've got to fucking deliver on this. And it's for somebody else. Like they want to be the kind of person that can carry that thing, deliver on that thing, whatever. Like dude, and truly for sure. Like that thing in us to become someone capable of doing something for someone we care about. I literally can't think of anything more potent. Yeah, why do you think that is? Because now that you're talking about this, the Brendan story, uh, James Lawrence, what you're talking about with Lisa, the story you just told about the Olympic athlete, and so many times when people are winning championships or awards, like, I did this for so-and-so in my yeah. family. Why do you think that is? Well, so now let's really break it down from an evolutionary um, perspective. So protecting the tribe protecting your family especially, meant that your genes were able to carry on. So I think this ties into Richard Dawkins' notion of the selfish gene. Mm -hmm. So you living doesn't, like that's really not that important. Your genes, however, living, that really matters. Yeah. So it could be a brother or a cousin, like it, it that still passes on mm -hmm. um, some percentage of your genes. And so that's why we fight closest for those closest to us. And then it sort of diminishes the farther away that people get. Now, that doesn't necessarily explain why you'd fight so hard for a loved one. Uh, and this is where it becomes patently obvious that I'm not an expert in this. Yeah. But it, it, to me, that familiarity, it's all tied up in that, right? Mm -hmm. So as a social creature, we want to serve others. So that, I'll, I'll make that statement 
pretty emphatically. As a social creature, we are just wired for that. Like you're going to get a massive neurochemical rush for doing that. Um, taken out of those terms and put into just more <clears throat> societal terms, being a hero is like a real thing. Like that feels amazing. We celebrate heroes. We celebrate people that put others ahead of themselves. And so there's something in that that just feels fucking amazing to know that you did something good for somebody. Like it feels amazing to do something good for somebody even when they don't know, even when it goes unrecognized, right? You sure. still feel amazing about yourself. You're like, whoa, I put those people before myself. I really went all out. That's why to me, this is interesting because I don't think that this will be shared by everybody. But to me, leading a team to victory is way more meaningful to me than winning like a solo victory. Yeah. That just would not mean nearly as much. And failing myself would not mean nearly as much as failing a team. So like that, that notion of like, this is my team, I'm gonna protect them, I'm gonna deliver, I'm gonna show up, I'm gonna crush it. It, it is such a human thing to want to do good by the group. You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions, and I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing, and a big part of that strict diet is high-quality animal protein and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at butcherbox.com impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is off Offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. And that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com impact and use code impact to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You will never be able to reach your full potential if you are riddled with stress and have a lot weighing on your mind. I can tell you from my own experiences with stress and negative thought loops, you have to find a way to work through whatever it is that's weighing on you if you're gonna have any hope of achieving your goals. Therapy can be an option for working through things and for an online therapy option that is super convenient and flexible, be sure to check out BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, everything is 100% online and getting started is quick and easy. A brief questionnaire matches you with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra charge. Get things off your chest, process through things with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash impact theory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash impact theory. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, 
Head there now, yahoofinance.com. Did you see the preview for the movie Alpha? No, I've never even in heard the of it. Star Wars in the Last Jedi previous? No, Alpha. It's about a boy and a wolf. Tell me oh, more. Man. Well, we don't have to totally digress, but I think it's supposed to be set <clears throat> in like you know, um, pre, pre-Columbus uh, United States, or so a native tribe mm-hmm. and a boy gets separated. And he's like at that age of, you know, 14, 15, where he's going out to right. hunt with the, you know, the men in the tribe and become a, become a man, he gets separated and has to fight his way back somehow. And he meets this wolf and the whole thing is called Alpha. Whoa. And I was like, Tom's going to love this oh, movie. Oh, dude, I want to go see it right now. Yeah. When does it come out? I don't know. Oh, man. Like, now I'm going to have to go watch the trailer yeah. for that. Anyway, that, that sounds was, amazing. That was a total digression. I loved it. Both James Lawrence and David Goggins, who are endurance athletes, have talked about the importance of blocking out the noise. Mm. Um, so, obviously, they think that's important for themselves and for other people. But why, why do you suppose endurance athletes are doing that? I'd really need them to define what they mean by the noise. If they're talking about their own chatter, the you're not good enough, oh, this hurts, that kind of thing, um, which Amelia Boone also talked about, mm-hmm. another endurance athlete. Yeah. And I think it's because humans do really badly with drip campaigns. So they say, <laughs> if you want to get a conversion, right, yeah. you need seven touches. Yeah. And I think that the same thing is true of giving in to pain or fatigue or whatever. It's like your mind just fucking drips on you or that pain drips on you. And it's just like, it's just there and there and there. And it's relentlessly present. And so unless you can find, and I'm not sure this is what they're talking about, but this makes a lot of sense to me. Unless you can find a way to make friends with that, to block it out, to not think about it, to not let it be a part of your world, to, like James said, that voice isn't welcome with me, um, that you just find a way to absolutely shut it the fuck down. Like, that is, I totally get that. I totally get that. And so... That is just not having competing voices. And this is one of the reasons that I I like to force people to be binary. There's so much clarity in really being binary and really saying, I'm either doing it, I'm not doing it. It's this or it's that. There's no gray area, like forget all of that. And look, I get it. All of life is gray. There is no black and white. But if you allow yourself to live in the gray, everything's gonna be confusing. You're never gonna see it. You're never gonna be able to generate momentum. Like, Momentum has everything to do with clarity. And so if you're going through something like an endurance athlete would have to go through where there's aches and pains, the most obvious answer is always to quit. It is the easiest answer. It's the answer that your mind is throwing up to you most frequently. There are a thousand reasons to quit and only one to keep going. So it's like, unless you can find a way to shut that out and get in the zone, like you're just never going to make it. The The lesser parts of your brain, the mammalian and the lizard parts of the brain as they call them, um, those for sure, like don't give a shit about your esoteric goals about being a better person, right? They don't yeah. care about that. They just know you're expending a lot of calories. You're doing potential damage to your body. You need to stop. You need to stop right now. So they're just going to drip, drip, drip. If you can't find a way to to shut that out, it's just too much. And obviously this is going to be, you know, you can think of entrepreneurship as an endurance sport in some ways, right? Unquestionably. So what are some techniques for getting good at blocking out that noise? You know, it's really fascinating. So I use a slightly different technique. So the, the only real answer is I combine a massive amount of arrogance with humility, but it's, it's a humility born of just understanding it is the nature of the beast that if you, you can't learn what you think you already know, right? That's Epictetus, I think, that said that. Mm. So you can't learn what you already know. So it's not that um, I don't think I'm cool. I do. I think I'm fucking really cool. But let me tell you that that is a recipe for disaster in terms of moving forward. So I have the arrogance to believe I can figure anything out, I can learn it. Um, and, and so that arrogance of belief, and, and I do want people to understand that, that is, it is an arrogance to believe I can learn, that's it. So I take this arrogance that I believe I can learn with the humility to know that nothing will stop you faster than thinking you know everything. So it, it is a very, um, in some ways, like selfish act to just be totally uh, drop all my defenses, not spend any time thinking about being cool or being successful and just thinking, I know my current skill set's already taken me as far as it's going to go, so I've got to push it farther. So I'm, I'm leveraging that, but then I also leverage the negative voice 
because I need it to tell me the thing that I'm afraid to look at. I need that. Mm. And so I used to think I wanted to silence the negative voice. And it might be different in an endurance race where it's that constant drip of pain, that constant sense of stop, stop, stop. Um, because in an endurance race, you don't get a lot of positive feedback in the moment. It is truly about simply completing. That's not an entrepreneurial journey. So while it's, it's an endurance race in the sense that it takes a very long time and you have to work very, very hard for a very long time, and most people just fall by the wayside and it's people that can last that make it, it is very different in experience in that there are moments of joy and deep pleasure in and of that moment. Um, so you don't have that constant like, oh God, this hurts, this is painful, especially because Jesus, I actually forgot my life used to be like that, where I didn't make the demand that I love what I'm doing in and of the moment, that I would love it even if I were failing, that I believe in what I'm trying to accomplish. So you really can have a very similar thing if like when I was chasing money for me, it was purely about the finish line, the exit for the millions of dollars. And that was, you're exactly right, and I never thought of it before, was exactly like running a race. Mm. And now imagine you're doing an endurance race for eight and a half years. Like at some point, for me, I broke. At six years, I was like, I can't keep doing this. So... And, and that's fascinating. And it is because there were no moments of joy to counteract the like, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. What am I doing? What am I doing? That constant dripping voice. So now that I live in a world where there are moments of pleasure, I find that the negative voice will force me to look at the hard things, the things that I don't want to look at where I'm really weak. Um, and so I never let it be the dominant voice, but I, I do listen to it. I do take it seriously and I'm not trying to silence it. That's cool. All right. Now's the time of the show. We're going to read some comments from YouTube. Let's do it. Um, we got, we got quite a few comments given that this is only, hasn't even been up for 24 hours. Nice, so that was it. cool to see. This one's from Ricardo Gamboa. I know what my huge goal is. Thanks to both of these men. Thank you to be the guy that makes that negative voice in my head, call in sick most, if not all the days of my life, um, generate high level of focus that bends me, the whole of me to my will that mandates I perform the next step, regardless the size of the obstacles. Thanks Ricardo. It's nice. nice. Uh, this one is from, well said. yeah, this one's from Sidarius Takara Parada. That's a cool That's name. name. That's a name. Uh, practical, deep psychological judo. This session was like a dojo for the alter ego. Combine the James Lawrence episode with Amelia Boone and David Goggins, and they can be bundled together as a mental toughness training. It's actually a really good idea. It is. It is a like really that. good idea. Thank you, Sidarius. And then this is from Valerie Ellis, who has a question and a comment. And thanks, Valerie, for putting your question for After Impact in here. If you guys are listening and you want to do the same, feel free to leave it in YouTube if you want. Uh, what a great and lovely man. Respect for his mental agility and strength. Truly believe that you get there by taking the steps between here and where you want to be. Um, here's my question. Early in the episode, the idea of obsession is mentioned. To cultivate obsession in order to achieve. However, obsession is something cautioned against by mental health professionals as it often leads to disaster for the individual. Please comment and distinguish between what elevates and what destroys, what tempering elements are required. So look, their mental illness is a real thing. And so there probably are people that are prone to obsession in like a destructive way. Mm. And you have to balance that. And it's been interesting hearing Ray Dalio, who, who is just amazing, by the way. And if you haven't read the book Principles, read it right now. It is my number one book of 2017, by the way. Um, and his son is bipolar. And he said, yeah. insanity and genius is simply a matter of tuning. And I thought that was really interesting. And that you could very easily be going back and forth between the two if you're not very, very careful. So I would say somebody that's prone to obsession, you actually have a superpower. Now it's about tuning it and making sure that it doesn't go too far. But the reality is, and remember, I, I don't think there's any moral obligation to be successful. I want to be really clear about that. that sure. No one, you're not better for doing things my way. You're not better for taking my path. And I don't think that somebody is worse if they want to just chill and have a totally zen life. It is just a question of what do you want for yourself? Now, I want to play in a world stage. That jazzes me up in a way that you can't imagine. I love that. It excites me. Like, dude, I love it. I love the mere opportunity to play on that stage, to work and try and try to get there and acquire enough skills. Like that, that to me is amazing. And I've thought a lot about like, what if I were diagnosed with a terminal disease? Mm. What would change for me? depending on how much time I had, like I may immediately give up or I may 
like say, guys, we need to be creating content around the clock because I want to get as much of this out of me as humanly possible before I go, because this is what I love. This is the thing that gives me that sense of deep fulfillment. So structuring your life in that way, like is incredibly empowering. So this is my obsession because I want to play at that stage. I have to be obsessed. There's just no two ways about it. But the deeper I go into that obsession, because I'm not prone to mania, I'm not a prone to depressive states. So from that sense, I'm very, very grateful that like, I don't have an addictive personality. So I can always keep clear on what my goal is and whether or not I'm working towards it. And one thing I will just tell you to succeed at the highest levels, you must it is not optional. You must be obsessed, period. I don't think anyone ever plays at the level that I want to play at without being obsessed, period. End of story. No exceptions. I just think that that is true. That's awesome. Your um, terminal illness di diagnosis question or, or um, thought experiment got me thinking about two things. One, um, just heard a story that uh, NPR did on Mary Higgins Clark, the famous uh, mystery writer. Nice. She's like, I know that yeah, name. She's 90 and she's still writing and plans to keep writing. She does two books a year. Damn. That's so like that's, some Stephen King level shit. Yeah. So it's impressive. And then um, uh, Edward Said, who is a, is a professor, was a professor, professor of literature and a cultural theorist and someone that I very, I, I just love his work and have read a lot of his books. He was he had cancer and died of it, but when he was diagnosed, his first response was, "I have so much left to write." Mm. And I thought that was like that inspires me. Like that's that's what he thought about when he was like, "Okay, you have a year to live. Okay, like how many books can I get done?" Yeah, this is this is something that I I know that what I talk about on camera a lot is that I want to live forever, and I really do, and I really hope that that comes to fruition, um, but. That doesn't mean that I don't contemplate very seriously the transient nature of life and that as of right now, I am going to die and that's just the truth. Um, and I think, and I'm on a kick recently of, I really want people to stop thinking about legacy. I want them to stop thinking about living your life so that when you're on your deathbed, you'll be happy with it. That to me is crazy. So everything is about perspective. And you will have a different perspective. You'll have a totally different worldview on your deathbed. And when you're on your deathbed, I would expect you to act in accordance with what that perspective brings and what it makes important. And it's certainly going to change, I'm sure, many things about your life. But the very first thing that I would think as well, if I were diagnosed with a terminal disease is, I'm, I'm really trying to pull people out of the matrix. And so what can I do with my remaining days to create things as rapidly as possible to hope that I can touch as many people as possible, whether I'm alive or gone? So, and, and that isn't because I, I don't care about legacy. Once I'm gone, I won't even think about it. So it's, it's merely with the frame of reference that I'm alive, I find that most of what I would do is the same as my frame of reference if I were dying, because it is what I most enjoy doing right now in the moment. And I think that there are, and I need to memorize these. I wrote, I think, seven points of here are the seven things that make sense if you're going to live forever. And if you were doing these seven things and you would live forever, your life would be amazing. And the irony of ironies. They're the exact seven things that if you do, you'll have no regrets on your deathbed. And that's why it's like, I don't fucking get the whole notion of like, I, I want to do things so that when I'm on my deathbed, like I'd be cool and comfortable. Either you've got some weird frame of reference when you're dying, like, oh, I shouldn't have been an asshole. Well, why are you being an asshole now? Like that doesn't add up. I should have told the people that I love them that I love them. Why the hell are you not doing that now? Like that would just be more fun now. So doing things because they're awesome now, optimizing the eternal now, that makes sense to me. Thinking about what people are going to think about you after you're gone or like what regrets you'd have when you're on your deathbed. Like, why aren't you regretting those now? I literally don't understand. So that, that to me is just absurd and it has to do with a different problem. It has nothing to do with legacy. It has nothing to do with deathbed. And it has everything to do with people allowing the, the whole clip that we created not long ago about people think that they're standing on the bank of the river of time when really they're rushing by with the water. And that, that to me is the problem. They just have, their perspective is off. And so they're standing 
outside of everything happening and the the eternal nowness of things lulls them into thinking that it's okay to be unhappy now and that that day just repeats and repeats and repeats and suddenly that one day of unhappiness becomes a decade of unhappiness two decades of unhappiness and it's only then that they realize oh shit like the permanent now actually has a terminal point that they wake up and realize, oh, I actually wanted to be living this whole time. But I, I legitimately don't understand why people need death to tell them that. Maybe it's just a way to help them frame things. Like I know it's helpful for me to think about like what's that endpoint and then work backwards. Like I don't, it's not about legacy, but it's about putting things into perspective for, okay, well, how will that change how I'm behaving today? Or are there things that I'm doing right now that won't lead to that endpoint that I want to get to and how should I change them? So I think it's, I think for some, for me and maybe for some other people, it's still what you're saying, but that's just a device that they can use to get in that frame of mind. Yeah, it's interesting. All right, let's wrap this up. I got a one or two more questions. Um, alter egos is really becoming a recurring theme on impact mm. theory. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on that as a concept and it being really powerful to people and why you think that is. I've never had one. It's a technique I've never once used or tried to use. Um, but people that I'm blown away by, James Lawrence being one of them, use them. Goggins uses one. Um, Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens. So it's like, it makes me want to get one, man. <laughs> but like <laughs> no, the, the honest answer is I don't have one. I've never used it. And I, I really can't comment other yeah. than to say, when you see a pattern with people that really, really boggle your mind, it's a strategy worth trying. Yeah. It's, um, I wonder if too, like all of their stories start from a place of weakness is not the right word, but of I wasn't who I wanted to be. Hmm. And they develop these alter egos to embody the person that they wanted to be so that they could actually become that person. That's super true. And, and I think, and go back and watch the James Lawrence episode because he says something in his answer about it that I was like, oh shit. And what he said was, I put on those yellow glasses and I become the iron cowboy and that dude is a bad man. And I thought, that's interesting. There's some release valve from the, the being the good boy mm. and um, you know, thinking about others and in, in that like self-sacrificing way versus that badass hero who shows up and, and like just solves this motherfucker for you. So I wonder if some of it is a release valve from some of the things that hold you back. Mm. In, and I don't know, again, I've never used this, but I could see that, right? I could see like, I get it done. I show up, nothing is gonna stop me. Nothing's gonna hold me back, but not until I allow myself to be that alter ego, that they need that removal from the self in order to fully embody the badass that's gonna do these things. Or like in Goggins' case, he talks very openly. He used to think he was the weakest man God ever created. And so he almost needed that alter ego to step outside of that, right? To no longer be that. It's not even a transformation. It is, it is the phoenix that has arisen from that, that that person is dead and gone and they are now something entirely different that is none of that legacy, none of that baggage. And it's just brand new and just a bad mofo. Yeah, that's super interesting. I mean, Goggins talks about how he takes souls and yeah. T.O. with uh, all the excessive celebration in the end zone and, and the antics. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, one more question. Um, you guys talked about standards of excellence. Mm. And this is a recurring theme in impact theory life right now yes. with our uh, you know implementation of Ray Dalio's principles. So James said that everyone, you have to understand that everyone's heart is different. And um, his take was you don't judge everyone by the sta same standard of excellence, but you look at individually where they are sort of on their journey. How did that response inform your own thinking on this subject? So I've really thought a lot about this because his answer really hit me and I loved it. 
And then upon further contemplation, I realized there's like fine tuning that needs to be done because here's the truth. Everybody needs to be held to the same standard of excellence, but that doesn't mean that you expect that everyone is capable of the same thing. So while I, I don't think it's holding them to the standard of 50, 50, 50, right? I think it's holding them to the standard of you said you were going to do it. Now do it. So that to me is what is the, what is the standard? What's the objective universal standard of excellence? Mm. So like today, we were having a conversation with one of our teammates and in, in a principles fashion, I was just like, here's where we are. Let's talk through the facts. It's very clear. You're underperforming. You're not doing what you need to be doing. And, and we just walked through it. Right. So yeah. the standard of excellence there is like, if you're failing, you need to say, I'm failing. You need to figure out why you're failing. You need to address that. And even if it's like, hey, I realize now I don't have the skill set to deal with this, speak up. So it isn't that I would expect him to be capable of what you're capable of in the same arenas. So, But it is that there are universal standards of excellence. And we all have to hold ourselves accountable to that. We all have to hold each other accountable to that. And so finding those universal standards isn't going to necessarily be easy because you really do have to differentiate between skill set and standards. Yeah. So, yeah, that that is the like for one, always be doing things to the best of your ability. Cool. And then if the best of your ability isn't good enough for the task you've been given, you need to say something. Like don't just go off and do a shitty job because you're afraid to embarrass yourself by saying I don't have the skill set to pull this off. Mm. So, like I'll just tell you right now, if the head coach for the LA Lakers wants to put me in. My answer is that is a very bad decision on your part. You need to put somebody in that knows how to play basketball because I am horrific. So, but you've got to be willing to speak up. That, that to me is like a universal thing. So it, it definitely impacted me and that I had to figure out because he's right about something at a high level, which mm. is you can't, everybody's heart is different. You can't expect, like if they told me to do 50, 50, 50 and that if I wasn't able to complete 50 triathlons and 50 uh, states and 50 consecutive days that I've somehow failed to meet the standard of excellence, is, that would be crazy because I'm, I've not trained for that. I don't have that skill set. Right. So, but holding me accountable to, I said I'm going to do it and now I'm going to do it. That's fair enough. I like that. That's a that's a really good way to bridge the gap between those two ideas. So that's awesome. I think that's it for today. All right. Guys, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of After Impact. These are amazing, and I am eternally grateful to the guests for coming on and sharing their wisdom with us. This episode was awesome. I'm a total fiend for these ultra-endurance athletes and what they have to do to their mind to really push through uh, and get to the end of this. And James really gave an awesome flavor. Really, really enjoyed having him on. And I hope that you guys enjoyed his main ep and the deep dive here. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.